From interviews and investing to careers and credit, we've got you covered. WalletWatch is a podcast brought to you by MSU Federal Credit Union and OU Credit Union. We'll be interviewing industry experts, sharing personal stories, and even playing some fun games, delivering financial topics in an enjoyable and interesting way. I'm one of your hosts, Jessica. And I'm Amanda. We're so glad you're here. Welcome back, Wallet Watch listeners. It's me, Amanda, one of your hosts and also financial educator. And with her is me, Jessica, back for my second season as co-host with Amanda on the podcast. I'm also a financial educator and so happy to be here with you. So thank you to our returning Wallet Watch listeners and welcome anyone new that's listening to our podcast. Uh, We have a second episode that we will be starting here in just a moment. But one of the things that we really strive for in our podcast is to help ourselves overcome obstacles and help others learn what they can do to overcome obstacles as well. Absolutely. And with our podcast, Wallet Watch, just so our new listeners know kind of what to expect, For this season, we plan on releasing episodes every three weeks. You can find us on any platform that you listen to your podcast to. Yes, and today we are really excited because we are going to have a conversation with a couple of individuals who are DEI specialists. They focus on DEI every day in their jobs. Yeah, and for our listeners who don't know what DEI stands for, that's going to be diversity, equity, and inclusion. And in this episode today, we're really going to take a deep dive into the importance of DEI and the role that that plays in the workplace. And we also specifically want to ask them, you know, what does it mean to be an ally and how can I grow in my DEI journey, uh, whether that's professionally or personally? So I'm really excited about today's interview, the individuals that we are going to be interviewing today have a lot of experience. And so we hope you enjoy this episode. I'm excited. Yes, me too. Thank you so much for being here today. We have some special guests with us. We have Taylor Moberg, who is a DEI specialist at MSU Federal Credit Union. And we have also with us today, Hamada Algulbi, who is a DEI program specialist with Evergreen 3C. Thank you, welcome. Welcome. Hello. Thank you so much for having us. So very excited to be here. Yes, and I forgot to mention, Taylor is not new to Wallet Watch. She has actually been on a few other episodes as well, but we are also really excited to have Hamada on for the first time. And, Who knows, maybe he'll make another appearance. Maybe one day, I'm pumped. Here we are, season eight of our growth and purpose season. So we're very excited to have you both here today to really do a deep dive and talk about DEI. Awesome, yeah, I'm excited to be here. I'm still nervous, even though it's my fourth time, you think I'd be a little bit more of a natural, but we'll see how it goes. (laughs) Well, to have our listeners get a little bit more information about both of you. We're wondering what kind of passions you both have that have led you to your careers in DEI. Honestly, I can still remember when I 
realized that DEI would eventually be my, was going to be my career, like my end goal. I was going to school at U of M, I was pre-med because I wanted to help people, and then I walked into a women's studies class, it was gender and health, and I remember thinking, there's no barriers that women face, There's that, that's just not a reality, right? And I mean, I am a woman, um, or I identify as a woman, so then after I left that class, I was like, oh my gosh, my reality has been so wrong, and it's only been my reality that I've considered or thought of. So I just, from then on, I realized that I wanted to help people and help the world. And I knew that I couldn't do that in the medical field the way I wanted to. I wanted to make really big changes that impacted more than just myself or just one person. So that's why I always knew DEI would be it, just because I also loved learning so much about different experiences and then bringing that back to like my friends and my family too. Yeah. And then I could, if I could do it and get paid, that's even better. So that's how I'm here. <laughs> that's incredible. What about you, Hamada? Yeah, so I guess my whole life story kind of led me towards DEI. So for those that don't know, I was born in Berlin, Germany. My father is originally from Saudi Arabia and my mom is from Austria. And he, they both met in, well, one of them was in medical school. And then through my dad's work, basically, they moved to Germany where I was born. So right away, I was put into two different cultures where my dad was Saudi and my mom was Austrian. So the Middle East and Europe, it's very different culturally wise. And also my dad was Muslim. Well, initially my mom was Christian, so she ended up converting. But yeah, I mean, right away I was in a majority Christian country, but I was Muslim or I, and I still am Muslim. But yeah, then eventually we ended up moving, we ended up moving back to Saudi Arabia where I was once again torn out of that German culture, which I very much identified as, and I still, I, I still do today. I'm very closely related to the German culture because I was born there. And when I moved to Saudi Arabia, I was put into a completely different world, you know, completely. It was, it's a 100% Islamic country. There's prayers out loud, and there was no more, like, the world is just completely different. I started going to um, the German international school there, which cool part about Saudi Arabia is, is pretty diverse. But in the German International School, I met a lot of different cultures already. There was, because there's, there's foreigners that put their kids in those, in, in those international schools. And that's when I first started to meet people from different parts of the world. There was Egyptians, there was numerous Arab countries together, mixed together with Germans. Then all the sad events of 9-11 happened and the war in Iraq and all that stuff. And ultimately, there was a lot of people leaving Saudi Arabia, but not a lot of people coming back because of the unstable region, very understandable. But I ended up being the only student in eighth grade. I was like, hey, this is not really fun. Like the teachers were like, hey, this is awesome. You're getting one on one education here. And yeah. I'm like, yeah, not really. I don't really want to be the only student. This is not what I want school to be. So ultimately, I switched to the American International School of Jeddah. And that's when I really started to meet even more cultures. There was now Koreans, Japanese, people from Asian countries. There was North Africans over there, as well as a lot of Europeans too. Yeah, so that's when I started to learn more about the cultures. And it was, the school did a really good job of embracing everybody. We had international, we had international days, we had international food days and festivals celebrating each other's cultures. And I'm like, hey, this is really awesome. I want to continue doing this. I want to continue learning about all the countries. And I ended up going to a lot of my friends' homes where 
their parents would just cook the traditional meals and stuff. And I'm like, how do I continue this, you know? And then ultimately I went to university here in Michigan. And once again, I mean, the U.S. is just even more diverse than anything I've ever seen before. And I was part of the International Student Club at my university at Saginaw Valley State University. And yeah, I just met even more cultures and more religions and the discussions that just came of that was was just so unique and everything. But fast forwarding through all of that, I basically ended up uh, studying health administration because of kind of my, my dad's field it was the medical field. And I was like, hey, I don't really want to be a surgeon and stuff. I kind of want to be more towards HR and management. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I ended up in HR and then I started learning more about DEI and how it impacts workplace culture positively because that's why I feel that's what I think is really important to a lot of us and the younger generations and we're all starting to realize like hey, work shouldn't just be a place where we are and we're just there 9 to 5 to make a paycheck, but we should actually enjoy it because that's how we'll be creative and innovative and if I care about the place that I work at, then the results will be even better for everybody involved. And we want you, you want that team environment, you want that positive workplace culture and DEI can help so much towards achieving those goals and bringing everybody together from different backgrounds, different ages, different religions, cultures, whatever we identify as. And that's how it all became a passion because I wanted to be a part of that mission of mm-hmm. driving that forward and just accepting everybody and whoever you are you can be yourself at work there's nothing that should stop you from doing that and that's how you'll be comfortable at work and that's how you will achieve everything you want to that's incredible and i love the passion with both of you being able to say that because it allows a space to be created where people feel heard people feel seen people feel understood And I feel like that's kind of the backbone of diversity, equity, and inclusion. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Showing, I think it's just really showing employees that they're valuable for the things that set them apart from other people too, right? Like their uniqueness and their differences are the things that we should actually be celebrating. And if you feel like you can bring your full self into work, right, and not have to hide those things, like Hamada said, you're going to be able to like have better results. You're not going to be worried or filtering yourself in order to achieve your career goals, you're actually going to be leveraging the things that make you unique to achieve them instead, which I think is huge. So, mm-hmm, Exactly. And for example, I'm, I'm Muslim, so there's five prayers in, during the day. And usually two of those prayers fall during work hours. And when I first started at my jobs, I was a little worried, you know, mentioning that. I'm like, how is my employer going to react? You know, I'm taking lunch break, but on top of that, I need five to ten minutes just to step aside. But... It's, it helps so much when you have managers and a workplace that's like, hey, no, it's a no-brainer, really. It's completely fine, whatever you do. Go and take those minutes. It's important to who you are. It's important for you. And just do what you got to do, and it'll be fine, you know. And ultimately, it doesn't hinder me from getting my work done. It has zero impact. If, if anything, it positively impacts me, you know, so. That's awesome. It's important things that need to be discussed. You're absolutely right, though, and I feel like it goes into your next question, right? Like, how does DEI work to can like help us professionally and personally? And like, again, if if you feel like you can bring yourself to work, you don't have to worry about all those other things, right? Like, you can just come in and do your job and do it well. One thing that has really helped me 
professionally and personally is being able to connect with more people more sincerely and like genuinely because if we're willing to like understand life through another person's lens, we can connect with them more, right? It's, it's, you're better able to collaborate. You can think of more innovative ideas because not everyone thinks the same too, right? And that's one thing too, I think is worth mentioning that people don't realize about, about DEI is it's not just about um, your ethnicity, your religion, your gender, all that. It's also about like your personality, right? That is what also brings diversity into a workplace is the different personalities that come together and make up a team. So, Yeah, and I think when you're in that space and gives you the opportunity to, to be yourself, bring yourself to work, more vulnerability happens. Mm-hmm. And we all know that when we have the opportunity to be a little more vulnerable, we get to let more people in. We get to let people see that side of us. And when you are you know, at at a round table trying to come up with ideas and, you know, get things going. And I think if we all felt a little vulnerability and we felt comfortable, the ideas are going to flow at that table and magic's going to happen. You know, it's not going to be, well, we need to work inside these box of parameters. Absolutely. And that's why uh, psychological safety is a huge part of DEI. So having your employees feel like they're safe to put those ideas out too. And that's yeah, that's, that's what DI also fosters, right? You can't have that if you don't build those grounds. We've talked in previous episodes too about psychological safety, but I feel like it's something that kind of always comes up when we're having conversations around DEI. For maybe listeners who have not heard our previous DEI episodes, can we talk about what is psychological safety in the workplace? Or what does that feel like? I think it ties directly to the inclusion part of DEI because let's take for example we have a new employee that just came from abroad you know from from another country and they're in a completely new country and everybody's different from from themselves they, they, they feel like a minority so how do you make sure that they feel safe you know you just ensure them and you you embrace their culture as well Yeah, so psychological safety is essentially being able to express yourself, your ideas, without fear of just negative results, right? Or like your your boss shutting you down and saying that isn't a good idea. It sounds like psychological safety is making space for people to feel comfortable in their workplace, regardless of their ethnicity, their gender, their religion, and and being able to speak freely. And giving them those wings and encouragement, like, hey, bring your ideas to the table. Whatever idea you have, it's we want to hear it. And you're encouraged to share that idea. Yeah. And I think, too, like the times in professional life and personal life when I feel like I've had the most psychological safety is when those people genuinely try and create a relationship with me first. And then I feel like that safety kind of comes with that building of a relationship. Absolutely, and I think one way that employers or anyone can like create psychological safety is also share, like being vulnerable themselves, right? Like authentically so, Um, especially from like leaders, them telling their personal stories really creates that like, well, then it's safe for me to, right? It's safe for me to be vulnerable if my leaders can be vulnerable. And so I think that's like, that's a huge factor when it comes to creating that in the workplace and fostering it. We've touched a lot on, you know, diversity in the workplace and what that looks like and what that means. 
But I do have a question about how can we personally contribute to that? Um, like I know the word ally. I want to talk to our listeners about what is an ally? What does it mean to be an ally? How does being an ally support DEI? Yeah, so I'm an ally. I'm, I'm white, and so I'm an ally to um, like Black and African-American employees, my friends. What I've kind of learned from being an ally to specific groups that I don't actually identify as belonging to is taking the problem that they're facing as my own without centering myself in it. So I'm not trying to achieve the results or even setting what we need to do necessarily, but I'm like, this is a problem that I that may not impact me, but I've helped create it. And if I don't address it, then I'm just making it happen again and again and making it worse as well. But anyway, yeah, so I think an ally is about taking on the problem as your own and not centering yourself in it through education, listening, exposure, and just you have to take the active role and not expect others to educate you as well, which is huge. I think people forget that about that a lot. And it doesn't mean you can't lean on certain individuals. Like if you have a good personal relationship with someone, you have questions, that's a great time to kind of ask those. But you can't say, well, I don't understand this. Can you give me like some resources? And sometimes that's okay. But you're also making them doing a lot of emotional labor having to explain things to you. And so, yeah, as an ally, it's a personal commitment that you make that you have to see through and hold yourself accountable as well and expect to make mistakes. That's also another huge thing because you're inevitably going to, because there's a lot that we just don't know. Every day I'm learning something new, just terminology that we use that is actually rooted in some very awful stereotypes that I just didn't even know. Yeah, it's just, it's about making mistakes too. And that's just part of the journey. Yeah, and I actually have a personal example of uh, somebody being an ally to myself, and I can tell right away that it does make a big difference. They, you do make a difference when you are an ally because, for example, my mother-in-law is a Catholic Christian, and of course her daughter married a Muslim. You know, my wife is still Christian now. She saw a comment uh, against Muslims on Facebook, and I was it was it was on a news article. And I basically saw her actually defending Islam now because she had learned more from me and we've sat down multiple times just discussing it and we realized how similar Christianity and Islam actually are. You know, there aren't that many differences that, they, that, that people think there are. So she actually defended Islam in front of this other person. And to me, that made a big difference. Whether it made a difference to the other person that made those hateful comments, we'll never know, but maybe it did, or maybe it just planted a little bug in, in their head where maybe that prompted them to do more research or to go mm -hmm. more into it. That's what I'm hopeful for. But it does make a difference to the people that you are an ally for, so. And I really like it because I think it also shows that you have to be an ally behind closed doors as well, right? You have to, in all spaces, just like your mother-in-law, you know? Like, she probably didn't know you would see that comment mm -hmm. maybe, right? But she's still stuck up for you, you know, or um, Islam, you know, so it's important. Thank you for sharing that story, Hamada, because I think that kind of shifted and I have a little bit different understanding right here. It's all about growing and learning. But I like what you said about the comment was more about you and defending you and not trying to get in a fight with someone else or create conflict. And that if I'm a huge avoider of conflict, I hate conflict. And so sometimes I'm like, 
oh my gosh, I'm, I don't want to like step up and say something. But if I shift in my mind, it's not about the conflict. It's about the relationship that I have with the people that I care about and make it about them versus it's taking that conflict away in my head there. Yeah, it's something For sure. that I try to work through too because I also avoid conflict is I think of is that I care about all people, right? And I care enough about you to not let you be a not kind person. It's kind of how I phrase it too, so. Right, and I think somewhere along the lines we've lost that human touch yeah. that we're trying to get back where, let's take for example, there's somebody on third floor, let's, let's name her Jenny, you know. You've never really had, had a chance to sit down with her and she's just always been Jenny from the third floor. But if you sit down with her, you'll learn she's a mother, she's a sister, she's a daughter of somebody, and, and you learn all those things about her. And that'll give you that human interaction. And next time she's in trouble, you're that much more likely to help her because you now have gained a friend, you know, you've, you've gained a person that you cared about within that organization or maybe even onwards, but hopefully even out, outside of work, you know, you, you've, yeah. you've gained the trust of that person and now you care about them. And that's what I think we're all trying to do too, is just getting the humanity back and placing a focus on that. And it's like, hey, we're all people. We all want to be kind. We all want a nice day. Nobody gets up in the morning, gets dressed, has a coffee and goes to work to have a bad day, you know? We, we all want to go to work and put a, put our best effort in and not be bullied basically by anybody or even if, if, if there are microaggressions or aggressions that you don't know about that you are facing throughout the day. Nobody really likes those. So let's just make a conscious effort to eliminate that and get through this together. Yeah. Some of our listeners might not know what a microaggression is. Yeah, I'd be happy to give a quick definition. So a uh, microaggression is, so it's a statement, action, or incident um, in which you're communicating an inaccurate stereotype or like a hidden message. So a lot of the time people might have like a question where their intent is good. So a lot of the time individuals, like people of color specifically, are asked like, where are you from? And they'll be like, oh, I'm from, you know, Michigan. And then they'll be like, well, where are you really from? And so in that message, it's, it, you're sending a message that they're other, right? That they don't belong here. So your intent might be to know, well, where, where are you from, right? Seems harmless. But it's about the underlying message that you're translating. Most of the time, obviously, microaggressions are targeted at those that are belong to historically marginalized groups as well. Thank you. You're welcome. Taylor and Hamada, thank you so much. I've enjoyed this conversation immensely today and yes. it's helped me to continue and learn and grow. But before our time is up, is there anything else that you want to share surrounding this topic or any other stories that you have? We would love to hear anything else that you have to contribute. Yeah. Another way that I found that you can really grow personally and expand your vision and knowledge of DEI is traveling. I can't overphrase how important traveling is, just throwing yourself out there, experiencing different cultures, and not going so much to the touristy places. Yeah, check those out because they're probably awesome, but also go to some not so touristy places where you can really witness that culture and how things are done differently in other parts of the world. And it will expand your mind greatly. And you can only benefit from, from traveling within the US, outside of the US, just hop on a plane and check out the world. It's awesome out there. 
Well, yes, thank you both for being here today. Um, I hope our listeners enjoyed learning a little bit more about what it is to be an ally, what an ally is, you know, about your pathway and passions into DEI, because I love to see that we are at a space where more and more employers are adapting DEI models and enforcing them in the workplace, because I think we're just at a time where we need it. It's important. Everybody wants to feel seen and heard. Yeah, and thank you both so much for having us. It feels great to be back behind the mic. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Thank you. It was cool. First time on here, so hopefully not the last. Yeah, absolutely not. I feel like we always have something new to talk about, especially with how important DEI is. It's not going anywhere. And now it's time for the CU Spotlight. We thank you for being a loyal listener of WalletWatch. Speaking of loyalty, we have an awesome program that we are confident our listeners will love. Local loyalty is all about benefiting our members while supporting local businesses. The local loyalty program allows our members to take advantage of discounts simply by using their credit union debit or credit card at a participating business. Discounts include BOGOs or percentages off certain products and services at participating businesses. To see all of the savings you could take advantage of, visit msufcu.org forward slash special offers. If you are a business and would like to learn more about local loyalty and how you can take advantage of free advertising or would simply like to obtain additional information, please email localloyalty at msufcu.org. Wallet Watch is written, hosted, and produced by Amanda Khan and me, Jessica Rubio. Our executive producers are Ariana Sildania, Lauren Kalarzik, and Susie Elkins. Wallet Watch is brought to you by MSU Federal Credit Union and OU Credit Union. You can find more episodes of this podcast at our credit union's website, financial40.org, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. We'll see you in our next episode.